Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. So, our speaker for tonight is Rabbi Stuart Winograd and his wife Chantal, who founded Reach Initiative International. And among their many international projects, they provide comfort for Holocaust survivors caring for children with cancer, compassion for orphans, and humanitarian aid. Let's give Rabbi Winograd a big Beth Hillel, welcome. Shabbat shalom. Beth Hillel Mishpucha family and those that are online, Shabbat shalom. It's a delight to be here with you again. You know that old movie line that says, uh, we got to stop meeting like this? Well, I'm doing the reversal. We've been meeting like this for more than 25 years. We got to keep meeting like this, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I'm here with my beloved wife. We recently returned from uh, about three months overseas in Israel and serving in Ukraine. And we want to just give you an update from our heart. And Chantal is going to handle it for a little bit here, and then I'm going to come back and... uh, give you a little bit more that I hope will uh, inform you and encourage you. We can show the first slide. Actually, we can move to the next slide now. Shabbat shalom. Now, yep, next slide. We have been in Israel for two weeks in February and uh, we serve Holocaust survivors there, and we were busy with our team doing this. When on February 24, at 5.30 in the morning, we got a phone call. At first, I thought maybe somebody didn't realize, you know, we were in a different time zone. But then I saw that this was from our leadership team in uh, Belarus, because we have congregations in Belarus. And uh, they called us to inform us that Ukraine was under attack. It was shocking to us, shocking to them. Uh, We heard that cities like Kharkov, Kiev, Odessa, and more had been bombed. We have many friends in these cities. We spend much time in Ukraine because we've been serving in the former Soviet unions for 26 years. We started Messianic congregations in Belarus, which borders with Ukraine. 
and uh, we have friendships with many messianic leaders and pastors in the country and we're hearing that country is under attack it was shocking to us we we uh, were stunned and uh, it was hard to believe we didn't want to believe it and as we spoke with some of the messianic leaders in ukraine they also were stunned. They, they, it, it was like unbelievable that this was happening throughout the country of Ukraine. And so um, we were heartbroken, but not only heartbroken. We felt a deep burden that was deposited in our heart. And we were moved with compassion to step into action and do something. This was we knew the Lord moving us with compassion to, to help those in need. We didn't know what we would do. We don't have experience with this. We heard many stories of Holocaust survivors because we have been serving them for 26 years. And I felt like some of the things we were hearing about was like throwing me back to some of the stories I heard sitting in the living room with Holocaust survivors. People were in need. And uh, Stuart and I stepped into action. We were a little bit, for the first two weeks, like dispatchers. We were receiving lots of requests for help. And we were trying to connect these requests with help that we could give them. And we made the need known. And we were amazed with the outpouring of support and love that people in America and other places uh, you know, gave for the people in Ukraine. Also something that was very special, the Holocaust survivors we serve in Israel, we serve about 500 Holocaust survivors, they felt like we want to do something. Many of them come from Ukraine, many are still have friends there, and, and they wanted to do something, so they gathered funds, they gathered uh, different uh, things, you know, from their homes to bring to the distribution centers. They wanted to, to participate in this. And this has been very impressive to us, how many people have been supporting and helping. So, um, you know, I think many of you have seen the image on the internet, on TV, of the brutality of this war. And some people have asked us, is it as bad as they say it is? Now, I don't know what you've listened to, but it's very bad. And it's, it's so heartbreaking. And you have to understand that many people are still there in Ukraine. Many were able to evacuate. In those first few weeks, there was lots of people that fled. Many of them needed help because, uh, you know, most people they don't have big bank accounts, you know, and they don't have lots of spare money. They were leaving their homes and they had to go somewhere else. They had to live somewhere. They had to pay tickets for the trains. And so whoever we could help that would uh, come to us, we tried to help. And so to, there was a lot of difficulties and hard uh, stories and hard pictures you've seen on the internet, but today we want to talk about compassion and hope. So next slide. Because of generosity of people like you, our capacity to be able to help people really increased. 
And so we were happy to be able to, to meet many needs. And, um, and I want to say a few words about um, the Messianic community in Ukraine. But before I, I do, I just want to say, like uh, my husband just said, that we went to Ukraine. So after a couple of weeks that the war had started, we uh, felt moved that we had to go close to the border. So we went into Romania and we started to labor with a pastor there that uh, had um, mobilized his whole church to receive refugees because they were coming by the hundreds and hundreds and every day and every hour of the day and night. And it was very cold at that time, it was during the winter. And people needed housing, they needed food, they needed a lot of things. Some people left from the bomb shelters and their slippers, you know, it's like, and they were put into a bus so that they can leave the country. And, um, and so we labored with this pastor and we focused a lot of our help in going into Ukraine with uh, bringing f mostly food, but also different items that was needed. Now we uh, mostly went into Western Ukraine, which is a quieter area and the city where we went is Chernovsky, and that hasn't been bombed, thank God, and we pray that it will stay this way. And so many um, refugees went to this area. And uh, the, there is two Messianic congregations in Chernovsky, and we know that these people, one of the leader in one of the congregations, a friend for 26 years. And uh, so I, I can't imagine, because we also led, lead congregations in Belarus, how overnight you can go from being a Messianic congregation to becoming a refugee center. It's quite a bit different, you know? So at first, people knock on your door and they needed place to stay, and many of them, you know, were women with children. And so they housed people into the home of their congregants. People opened their homes to receive them, but then it became, there was too many people. So they filled their, their, their building, the sanctuary, filled with mattresses everywhere so that people can stay there. And during the day, they piled them up so that they continually, so they can continue to have their prayer meetings. And so they, they did so much, and I am so impressed with the Messianic community in Ukraine. Um, I can't tell you all their stories, and I can't tell you everything they do, but they're feeding people, they're taking care of the sick, they're, they're tra transporting people from hard areas into safety. And they're uh, open, like I just said, creating refugee centers out of their congregations. They're, having, uh, they're feeding people out in the street, cooking every day. They became, really, they are the feet and hands of Yeshua, and they do it all in the name of the Lord, and they need your prayer. This is not easy. This is very hard, because we walk alongside with these leaders, and we, we could feel their pain. We could feel their, their, their weariness. I mean, the first, few, the first month, most people didn't sleep so much. 
we all didn't sleep so much, but the Lord was empowering us and helping us to, you know, to deal with all the demand that every day was bringing. And, uh, but your brothers and sisters need your prayer and they need your support. And I want to say they're doing an amazing job. One of the congregation in Chernovsky, uh, when they became so full, they couldn't house, they housed people everywhere they could. Then they decided to rent a restaurant that had been closed, that's right next to their congregation. And the restaurant, uh, the heat didn't work, the water didn't work, I mean, many things weren't working. But they put all the energy to clean and, and to get it going, not knowing, you know, if they, like, they don't have the finances to do all that, but they trusted the Lord that they could do it. And so we, we were able to come alongside with them. We went shopping for mattresses. We never bought 40 mattresses in one time. So here we are with carts of mattresses in this store in Romania and had to transport them through the border to them. But all this happened so fast, like within a week, then the place was filled with people. We brought the mattresses and people arrived and it was filled and it's filled today. People are still there. People are there for the long run. They know it. And, uh, and this congregation continually feed and they have to deal with so many things. And one other thing is that they have lots of children and the children were inside the refugee center and a little bit annoying all the other people because they had nothing to do. There's no school. There was no school all this time in Ukraine. And so they asked us if we could help with creating a little bit of a playground outside. So we got some trampoline, a tent, and some table tennis, and a, a, a few other things for them to play on so that they can get out a little bit and, and, and be children, because they need to do that. Next slide. No, here, you saw the picture with the mattresses. So uh, we have been able to uh, send and provide and help 130,000 so far dollars for people suffering in Ukraine. And this include uh, purchasing four vans. These vans are essential for, it has two purposes. One purpose is it gets filled with goods from areas that are more safe. And it's brought into the cities that have you know, more that, that are difficult cities, like, I don't know if you follow the news, but Chernigov, Sumy, Kharkov, all these places, Mariupol. So there's vans going into those cities to bring goods, bring food that's very needed, and bring back mothers and children and elderly people. And so you see one van there, and of course, it's a van that sits nine people or 12 people, I think this one. And, and uh, they pack it with at least 16 people, but many of them are kids. But they're just trying, and they were able to evacuate like 2,000 people from this city by making trips over and over and over again. And this is taking big risks. These people are heroes. They take big risks. One time I got a picture, and he's like, here we are, and he's showing me all the people in the van. And then I found out that evening that the van had been shot at, but thank God, he said we had an iron dome because the van wasn't touched and nobody was hurt. So this is uh, amazing. So we can go to the next slide. 
And like I said before, we're working with trusted Messianic leaders and Christian uh, pastors on the ground in Ukraine. And these people, some of them could have left. Some of them, because people between 18 and 60 cannot leave the country, men. They have to stay in case they need them for the war. But uh, some of the people that made a decision to stay, many pastors, many Messianic leaders are above this age, but they want to stay. And oftentimes their wives staying with them to assist them so that they can help people. And, um, and, and the, one of the big need, as I said before, is to provide uh, food. So they make food packages and they bring it to many areas. Some of the areas, again, as I said before, are areas that have been devastated by the war and areas that um, are right by the occupied territories. And it's, it's a dangerous thing, but they are willing to do it. Next slide. And uh, um, another very needed uh, initiative was started by our daughter, and she partners with a pastor, his name is Sergey, from ICF in Tel Aviv. And, um, and it's called House to Home. And this is a, an initiative to help new immigrants, all these refugees from Ukraine that, you know, some were thinking about making Aliyah maybe in the future, some others weren't planning on it, but now they're finding themselves, you know, running to Israel and they're making Aliyah. Some of them, they left with, you know, almost nothing. I met this uh, refugee, I actually met her in Romania before she moved to Israel. She's an 80-year-old lady, and she told me her story. Jewish lady. Jewish lady, yeah. She was making Aliyah, so she was <laughs> Jewish. And she, um, she told me that she was afraid to leave her cities. She thought, and many elderly were like that, maybe it's not going to be so bad, maybe we can live through it. I lived through the war before, maybe I can live through this. And, uh, and then things were getting worse, and so she heard that the Jewish community were organizing buses and she wanted to go on the bus, but then she was informed that because she's not mobile, they say she's not mobile, she could walk, but she had a cane, so she couldn't go. And she was really um, despairing because she wasn't going to try to take the trip by herself. And so uh, a friend called at some point and she said, I called a taxi, it's gonna be there in 10 minutes. You cannot take a suitcase, you can take only uh, three kilos, and then you can bring one kilo of food that you'll need for a three-day three journey. Can you imagine? So she took plastic bags, stuffed some things in it, and there she went. And we met her in Romania with her plastic bags. And she was moving to Israel. We also met her in Israel afterwards. And uh, she's, you know, it's, it's hard. She's starting to establish herself, but it's hard. So, and my daughter herself, she's an immigrant uh, in Israel. She's lived there 15 years. She knows how hard it is to adjust to a new country with a new language. And especially these people were at not time to prepare. So this initiative is to help the new refugees that are making Aliyah, to help them adjust, to come alongside them, to help them find uh, 
the help that they need. Maybe they need to go to a doctor, they need to open a bank account, and all of that. It's complicated, it's not like in Ukraine. So they're supporting them, and they're also helping them with finding apartments and you know, furnishing with a refrigerator, some appliances, and some beds if they need, like giving them something that they can start with and that they can have. And uh, since then, we've been able to help 100 families with uh, furnitures, and um, also they receive some clothing that's been donated. So this is a really amazing um, initiative. We co-labor also with different ministries, including the uh, Joseph Project in Israel. And we're working with many ministries so that together the uh, new immigrants can be impressed by the love that they receive from the Messianic community. And that opens their heart to the Lord. And actually, we've seen some people come to the Lord. And, um, and in my daughter's congregation, there's already a few families that she has been caring for, that she that are coming to uh, the congregation and coming to the Lord. So this is uh, very exciting. And now I wanted to, um, we have a little video to show you quickly. <laughs> yes. So we can put that video up. And uh, in Jerusalem, this is what people all around the world say when they finish their Pesach Seder. And guess what? Next year in Jerusalem was real for 80 Ukrainians who just made Aliyah, who just moved to the country. We were able to host a Pesach celebration for them in Jerusalem. And some of these people, they came from Tel Aviv as we welcoming them here in our distribution center here in ICF Tel Aviv. We give them clothes, we give them a hug, and we are the first who gave them this opportunity to celebrate with us Pesach. And as well, for Tel Avivian people, we made an excursion. Uh, they, they come on a tour with us in a full bus of people, and we had a very good talks with them. Yeah, we were able to connect with people personally because we spent the entire day with them. Mm -hmm. Those of them who came from um, Tel Aviv, we spent the day with them. We took them on an excursion to see some of the cool sites that we have in Israel. And isn't, isn't it amazing that uh, some of these people, they had their, their first dinner in Jerusalem. They it had, was this Seder it was their it was first, first holiday yeah. in Israel, in Jerusalem, so the tradition where they were for yeah. that. It they, was, felt, they were in tears, many of them who thanked us. Uh, we're in tears at the end, but obviously we're not here just to make nice dinner. We just let them know who we are. Yeah. And it, it, it literally like has, has stopped it there. Uh, one of the guys that I had met, he came to me in tears. He's like, why do you people do these things for yeah. us? Why are you yeah. why are you doing this for us? And I said, because uh, we serve a God who loves you. And he's like, well, I, I want to believe in the same kind of, if, if your God produces people like you all, I want to believe in your God yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for, uh, for being part of this amazing initiative. It's just, us, Miriam and me, but it's a lot of more volunteers. We have two, three people volunteering every day in this, exactly this distribution center when people are coming, about 10 people a day coming to receive this clothes. And it's a bunch more people who part of this. And you partners, partnering with us, you helping these Ukrainian refugees and new immigrants uh, who made Aliyah, these Jewish people. One person told me like, oh, come on, are we still talking about the U war in the Ukraine? It's like, what? I'm sorry, 
Yes, there's still a huge need, if yeah. not now more than there was before, yeah. because we have more and more people making Aliyah to Israel, and we want to be there to welcome them with open arms. And we want to thank you for a very special uh, partnership gift over the excursion we had from Tel Aviv. Yes, thank you, Reach Initiative um, International, and every single person who's given to Reach for Ukrainian Aliyah. This is some small part of what we are doing to reach the people here in Israel. You know, if our God produces people like that, like us, who have compassion, who care, then a lot of people want to believe in the God who makes people like that, you know? I think that's true. And I've seen that in my experience of walking with the Lord for 45 years, I became a believer when I was minus five. Um, right. So uh, I want to just take this opportunity to say, you know, early on when Rabbi Kevin heard that we were getting deeply involved in doing whatever we could to help the people of Ukraine, to help those suffering in the land, making Aliyah, he called me and he said, you know, we're, we're taking up some offerings, we're sending some support, use it wherever you need it most. So I just want to thank Beth Hillel, Rabbi Kevin, and all of you who are praying and giving, because none of this is possible without us as a big team, a big family working together. So let's throw up that next slide. Whoops. That's okay. You know what? We can skip the rest of the slides because I'm going to go with a little bit more message. Okay, we'll keep them. Holocaust survivors. That ministry continues to thrive 26 years. COVID was a huge challenge, but there was a silver lining. Survivors all over Israel were opening more and more to the Lord. And 21 of them, because of the unconditional love and ongoing service, that we and our team provide, 21 of them said, he's the lover of our soul, Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel. And our team stays close and disciples them. Next slide, please. And these tours to biblical sites, holiday celebrations like on Shavuot and Pesach, and home visits, and what we call our warm house home groups, are just vehicles that the Lord uses to enable us to love, honor, and bless Holocaust survivors in the name of Yeshua. Next slide, please. I'm excited about this. The Lord has enabled us to write, this is our first full-length book, Behind the Curtain, the Candles Burn, Recovering the Lost Stories of the Holocaust Survivors of Belarus, the story is told through the eyes and lives of 15 Holocaust survivors that are very dear friends to me and Chantal, each and every one of them. And the amazing thing about this particular book is not only do you get to see the history of the Jewish people pre-Holocaust, during the Holocaust, post-Holocaust in Soviet communist times, but afterwards when they become our friends, post-Soviet times, and we and our teams love on them, 14 of the 15 of them became real followers of Yeshua. So we're real excited about this book. 
Be looking for it. If you do not get our e-news, our free email newsletter that we send out once or twice a week to keep you informed, we're going to let you know about uh, uh, everything that's happening in Ukraine, Israel, and we're going to keep you posted on how to get a hold of this book. And we expect it to be available the end of this month. So stay in touch. You can stay in touch by picking up a piece of literature, or you can go to our website. We'll be downstairs, and you can get that literature, sign up for our uh, newsletter. And you can also go to our website. For those of you on live stream, you can't pick up the literature, reachii.org. The website for Reach Initiative International is R-E-A-C-H-I-I.org, and you can sign up uh, for that newsletter on the website. You can also donate there, and uh, we have pages that will help you to pray for the people of Israel, pray for the situation in Ukraine, so there's a lot of resources that you'll find helpful on our website. Next slide, please. Loving on orphans and kids with cancer, the compassion of the Lord caused these ministries to birth more than 20 years ago through my wife, and they continue to serve children battling cancer and orphans in the nation of Belarus. Next slide, please. Sleepaway Camp Chalotzim, 17 years. Last year, more than 20 young people gave their lives to Yeshua. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, and had a great time. This year we'll be serving about 170 teens and children uh, in three different Camp Chalutzims in different locations in the nation of Belarus, which is just north of Ukraine. And by the way, the people of Belarus, especially the believers in our congregations and all the believers, they were so distressed, so alarmed, so disappointed that their nation was used by Russia, their president allowed it in Belarus to attack Ukraine. So they want everybody to know they do not support that. Next slide, please. Sunrise, finally, after COVID closure in India and Israel, the Israelis can finally go back to our Messianic guest house and outreach center and we're ready to connect to Israelis and love them into the kingdom one at a time because this is what God has taught us, that we should follow the example of Yeshua and love on people. Everyone has a name. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a need. Everyone has a future. Every individual, love them into the kingdom one at a time. So thank you for... Good job, guys, back there, the techies. I always appreciate good techies. Thank you, guys. My microphone's working good. Everything's good. Shavuot. Thanks for the worship experience, by the way. I really appreciated it. Shavuot. Whoop. Ah, I thought I was being beamed up, Scotty. Okay. Uh, traditionally, our Jewish people understand that this was probably the time that God gave Torah, his teachings, with the force of law to us, the people of Israel, to share with the world. Torah, and for that matter, the entire Tanakh, really instruct us how to relate to God, 
and to other people. So, when it comes to how to treat other people, I think what we will often see throughout Scripture is respect, mercy, and compassion. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, compassion, which is love in action. Compassion, love in actions, love in action. And we, when you take a careful look at the writings of the Brit Hadashah, the stories of Yeshua in the gospel, in the gospels and the works of God through the Jewish apostles, you will see that frequently we see living examples of showing compassion through Yeshua and the Jewish apostles and disciples of the first century. So I looked up a number of definitions of compassion because I wanted to really nail it for us today. So I'm going to read a few. Number one, compassion literally means to suffer together. Among emotion researchers, it is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. Compassion is not the same as empathy or altruism, though the concepts are related. Second definition, to have compassion means to empathize with someone who is suffering and to feel compelled to reduce their suffering. Another one, compassion is a concern for the welfare and well-being of others. And I like this last one a lot. The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others and then take action to help. And God calls us to be a people of compassion. A people that will demonstrate the love we have for God and for others through our decisions to act and our actions. In the Brit Hadashah, Yeshua was often moved with compassion. And he took action to help people. He healed, he fed, he taught, he corrected, he instructed full of compassion, moved by compassion. We, his Talmudim, his disciples, his followers, we are called to follow his example, to be moved by compassion when we see those less fortunate, those in need, those suffering, and take action to help people. Three verses of scripture were highlighted to me when this war began in Ukraine. The first one we had up on the slide, Hebrews 13, 3, the second part of it, it says, remember those who are suffering as if you were suffering with them. You know, in Russian, the word for compassion is sastradania, to suffer with. And I began to think of all the people in Ukraine, the grandfathers, the grandmothers, the children, the moms, the families, and I asked myself, what if it was me in the bombed out city, my apartment destroyed, my life in, 
in a city I'd lived in for the past 20, 30, 40 years ended. I had to flee with just the clothes on my back and maybe one suitcase, running for my life, taking my little child with me, perhaps. What if it was me? What would I hope for from you? What would I hope for from others? And I said, I would hope that they would help in every way that they could if it was me in that tragedy. And so I said, I need to do that. I need to help in every way that I can. And what if the suffering would last for an extended period of time? You know, when the war started, I think everybody was hoping, oh, this will be like, you know, not so long, you know? But it's three months already, and there's no sight in end, no end in sight, rather. No end in sight. People are living in refugee centers for three months. People cannot go back to their jobs. They have no work. Their kids don't go to school. Their husbands are out on the front. What if it goes on and on? Well, it's no longer in the headlines like it used to be. Should I also just move on and forget? No, because as my daughter Miriam rightly said, the suffering that was so enormous and heartbreaking in the first few weeks is multiplied because it's going on and on and on. You can imagine. So I decided I cannot forget them. And I decided to be a voice for the Lord and my wife as well, to ask all of God's people not to forget our brothers and sisters in Yeshua, not to forget our Jewish people, and not forget to all the other people who are suffering because of this brutal, hateful, demonic attack on innocent civilians, including children, women, and the elderly. It is dark. It is demonic. It is evil. It is brutal. And we know a lot of firsthand stories. A lot of firsthand stories. You know, Yeshua put it this way when he was kind of illustrating compassion for us. And he said, we're going to be the ones on the right. The king would say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father. I want to be blessed by my father. How about you? Why? Take your inheritance, he said, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Man, this stuff has become so real to me. And I trust it's become more real to you in this season of, of life on this earth and even now as we're speaking. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I'm going to talk about that in a minute too. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Wow. We saw so many generous people in Romania and Poland just inviting strangers in, including 
the elderly relatives of my brother's wife who we helped rescue from the war-torn city of Sumy and bring them to safety in Romania. That came pretty close, in addition to all the close friends we have in Ukraine. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Reminds me of my friend Andre in war-torn Donetsk reason, Rabbi Andre. I had a 45-minute conversation with him the other day and he said, I can't leave. I won't leave. He said, the people need me. I spent 22 years in prison. I was a narc, uh, addicted to narcotics. I was a thief and abandoned Yeshua. Abandoned. Yeshua changed my life radically. Now I travel 40 kilometers to my prison ministry. It takes me 24 hours there and back because of all the, the shelling and the, uh, the checkpoints, et cetera, et cetera. I can't leave them, and I can't leave the people in my city. <laughs> Rabbi Andre, it's a privilege for me to come alongside you, brother. And then the righteous will answer the Lord. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. These are amazing and eye-opening words. You know, I know Yeshua loves worship. But I believe he loves even more compassion. Compassion, love in action. And that's what this scripture is talking about. That's what our Lord is talking about. And so let's always keep that in the forefront of our hearts and our minds because there is need everywhere. There is need in your backyard. There is need in your community. There are those that are suffering that are less fortunate. And they're waiting for you. And I'm so proud, i got to say, I'm a proud grandpa of 11 kids and four, four kids and 11 grandkids. Man, that would have been too many. Four kids, 11 grandkids. And I'm so proud of my kids because they lead their families in having compassion, in helping those that are less fortunate, that are suffering, that are in need. Yeshua, you are so amazing. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, to all people, and especially. Every week I'm on the phone with at least one Messianic leader. In the city of Mikolaev, You've probably read about it. It's constantly being shelled. In the city of Mikolaev, we, pastor with, we partner with Pastor Oleg. He's a friend, 25 years. And a great friend to the Jewish people in the Messianic movement. He has a very large church, or did before the war, in Mikolaev, the city of Mikolaev. And here's the summary of the situation in Mikolaev. Listen to this. Started getting shelled, invaded by the Russians, and even though the Russians were forced, were thrown back from Mikolaev, 
life there has yet to return to normal. The shelling continues, businesses are shut down, and the people and the ports are not operational due to Russia's Black Sea blockade. It's a port city. Worse yet, the city's water pipeline has been damaged, leaving Mykolaiv without running water for more than a month. Water is now priceless. Water. Twice a day, residents of Mykolaiv line up next to trucks that bring drinking water to the city. In mid-April, Russian troops had blown up the Mykolaiv water pipeline. It was impossible to repair as the damaged area was in an area under Russian occupation. So, locals are collecting water from storm drains from the river. Unsuitable for drinking, they're boiling it and doing the best they can and lining up for water at the trucks. Imagine being in such a situation with your family and loved ones. I think of how I was having a water fight with three of my grandkids the other day and they whooped me bad, but we don't think about drinking water, we just get it, it's there. But I'm happy to report to you this, that because of the generous outpouring of financial help from people like you, Reach Initiative supporters, we have been able not only to send about 18 tons of food to Mikolaev to feed the people who can't get food in the stores, who lost their jobs and have no money, but we were also able to purchase a generator and pump to get drinking water from one of the wells being dug in the city. They're digging wells. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And more good news. Our friend Jonathan Burness of Jewish Voice Ministries, I called him about this need, and he arranged to ship 1,000 life straws, which are these fantastic water filters you can drink out of a puddle. They're, they're amazing. 1,000 life straws he shipped to our team in Romania. And then we brought them into Ukraine. And now Oleg and his team, Pastor Oleg, are going to distribute them to those in need so that they can have these life straws and not have to wait online or get water out of the river and boil it. I got to tell you, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine really inspire me. They are inspirational. Pastor Oleg said this when I was speaking to him recently. He said, we feel how we are truly one big family of God. Thank you for being so faithful to help us. Stuart and Chantal, please let all of your partners know how much we need and appreciate their love prayers and support, and let them know we pray for them too. And they do. Those folks over in that part of the world really pray. Prayer meetings in many of the congregations and churches every day now. Every day. And a little side note. And by the way, I say to Oleg, I know you do the same for me. 
And we're going to be there for as long as the need is there. And as long as God provides, we are going to provide for you and for many others that we love. And a, a side note, when I asked Pastor Oleg how he's doing, this is real stuff. He says, right now only my wife is with me. Children and grandchildren we sent out of the city because it's too dangerous. We are good. <laughs> he goes, we are good because God is with us and we feel him close. And then he adds, but the situation here is not easy. And the work to help the people is very demanding and hard. But that's what he's giving his life to. And that's what so many of the Messianic leaders and, and pastors are doing. They're inspirational. Their courage and their compassion is truly inspirational. And it's truly a privilege. I'm humbled to come alongside them. Since the start of the war, as my wife said, because of this outpouring of generous support, we've been able to provide $130,000 worth of aid. And as I mentioned, we are committed to the long haul, and the Lord put on our heart to every month, for as long as the need is, to trust him to provide a minimum of $30,000 worth of aid every single month, as long as there's a need. And I want you to know, we also made this commitment to the Lord and to our own conscience and to you who support every dollar you give to help the people through our Ukraine Emergency Fund or our House into Home Israel Aliyah Fund goes 100% to help those who are in need and suffering. You know, Shavuot, we're going to kind of bring this together now and bring it to a conclusion. Shavuot, as you know, is not only the time of the giving of Torah, it is what many people know as Pentecost, God's appointed time to pour out the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, on the disciples of Yeshua. It's recorded in the second chapter of Book of Acts, it happened after Yeshua gave his life for the sins of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and the sins of the people of every nation so that we could have victory over sin and death. and We could live a new and fulfilling life in fellowship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth, our Abba, our Abba. <laughs> what a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. What compassion. I'm reminded of Yeshua's words before he ascended into heaven. They're recorded in Acts chapter 1.8. They say this. These are the words of Yeshua, Acts 1.8. But you, speaking to all of his followers, speaking to me, speaking to you, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, has come upon you. He's come upon you. He's come upon me. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and through all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, Ukraine and beyond. I want to remind myself, he gave us the Holy Spirit not simply so that we could speak in tongues or pray in tongues, although I like to, not simply to be blessed, me, not simply to enjoy the anointing in our services and in our conferences. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be love in action, to be his witnesses, to be moved with compassion for those who are less fortunate. Let's remember that. I remind myself of it regularly. I have to admit, like most of us, there have been times in my life that I got so busy with the things that were before me, my vision got pretty narrow, that I had no room for a whole lot of compassionate action. You ever been there? And I have not always been a great example of compassion and remembering the needs of those suffering. But I want to tell you, I'm more determined than ever to seize the opportunities put before me, to look for opportunities to do good to all people, just as we are encouraged to do in that passage in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. I hope you are too. I hope you are too. And you know, as I mentioned, there's needs not only in Ukraine and Israel and many other places around the world that may not, we may not be as aware of because they don't hit the headlines. But there's a lot of needs in the backyard here too, in your communities. And I believe the Lord not only wants us to remember to reach out to those who are suffering in Ukraine and Israel and beyond, but to those in our own communities. And may you be abundantly blessed, like Matthew 25 says, like Yeshua said. May you be abundantly blessed, and may you be a source of abundant blessing to others as the Lord leads you to opportunity upon opportunity to demonstrate compassion. We'll be downstairs after the service if you'd like to chat. You can pick up some literature. You can sign up for our newsletter down there, or you can go to our website, reachii.org, Reach Initiative International, R-E-A-C-H-I-I.org, for those of you who are watching and listening online. So we'll look forward to meeting you downstairs, those of you who are here and would like to chat. Let's conclude with a word of prayer.
Avinu Malkenu, our great God and our great King. We sang a song today about peace and that hatred and selfishness would drop off the planet, drop off the hearts of men. But sadly, Lord, though you commanded us to love our neighbors, ourselves, and to do unto others as we would have us, we would have them do unto us, mankind in general ignores your commands, doesn't even take them as suggestions, and selfishness, hate, violence, evil, and war permeate this world. But Lord, we, f- we refuse to give in to hopelessness, and we refuse to sit back and just watch the bad news. We say to you, Lord, you are our resting place. You are the author of love. You are the author of compassion. You honor those who feed the hungry, who give water to those who have none, who give places to live for refugees who have no longer a home. Lord, this is you. You are our example. You are our inspiration. And we say to you today, by the power of the Shavuot outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit who dwells in us, empower us afresh. Open our eyes afresh to the opportunities around us including Ukraine and Israel, to pray, to help, to give, to do whatever we can, as though we ourselves were the ones suffering. Lord God, thank you for the great privilege of being called your sons and daughters your beloved sons and daughters. Thank you that we are your beloved sons and daughters. Thank you for your amazing mercy and grace that you pour into our lives. And thank you for the amazing responsibility and privilege to co-labor with you, to demonstrate compassion and to bring good news, practical help, love and action, to the people who are suffering as though we were suffering with them. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for everyone who are hearing online. And Lord, if there's, I just want to say, Lord, if there's anyone who does not yet know your incredible love, mercy, the salvation, the new life that only Messiah of Israel who's the savior of the world, Yeshua, Jesus can provide. I pray that hearts would open and that they would take hold of what life is really about as they enter into a relationship with you. Thank you for this time together on this special Shabbat just before Shavuot. We bless and honor you. We pray for an end to this evil war. We pray for these evil men 
who seek to destroy other people's lives, that if they will not repent, you humble them, you take care of them, Lord, and have mercy, strengthen our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and in Israel as they seek to help those who are in desperate need of help. Thank you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Bye.